welcome to the beaten track i'm joe bullock and as always i'm joined by louis baker hello joe it's good to see you louis and it's yeah. an exciting time pretty, uh, pretty sure i say it's exciting every time we do a podcast but you do and that's because it always is exciting that's why yes. yeah. but we're really doing a, an indie staple this week i mean mm, yeah you could start with sonic youth really if you were doing an indie podcast but we didn't obviously you could it's taken us 54 episodes is that right mm, maybe yeah. mm. 53 or 54 yeah but yeah it's around about that yeah and it's pretty apt too because we're both um youthful and sonic ourselves okay, i'm glad you didn't link it to the album title i was just <laughs> like, what are you gonna say that? um yeah yeah so yeah we're gonna do um goo um sonic youth iconic uh, album album cover um one that you see quite regularly uh, out and about um and yeah very iconic kind of noise rock band merged from originally from the the no wave scene in new york and yeah um i think i've called them iconic a couple of times already so i'll stop calling them that but um yeah so the yeah they got got thurston moore um and kim gordon uh, Lee Ronaldo as well and then as Steve Shelley I think was the drummer for the most part and certainly the drummer at this point as well and a few other sort of uh, members spread um, uh, across the years but yeah um, seminal iconic and pretty great hmm. yeah I mean yeah the cover's got a sort of Lichtenstein um, vibe it's like a sort of cartoonish kind of outlaw thing about yeah, it's all. I, I think this is where the band are leaning into like pop culture and stuff a bit more as well. And the sound gets a bit kind of um, more indie rock, a bit less abrasive, I think. Um, but coming off of uh, Daydream Nation, which was a huge kind of critical success, but this was a, a commercial success as well um, within the bounds of that kind of indie rock sphere. Yeah, we, you know, I think it was, um, they released a few sort of, experimental um noise records kind of in the early and then mid 80s you've got um uh, evil uh, and sister which are kind of quite acclaimed records but maybe didn't have that sort of reach and then you got um yeah daydream nation which was i guess a bit of a breakout um and the, that single teenage riot which had a lot of play i think on like college radio and stuff um um, which is great uh, and, and, and probably I think generally regarded as the best album maybe um, though this probably is the access point um, for a lot of people um, including myself and I think it works like that like you say the first you know we pick, we're picking them up at a time where it's the first major label release I think there were some issues with Daydream Nation and and, um, and the like um, pressing and stuff like that and actually and actually getting the album out and stuff. So there was kind of a bit of an issue with that. And uh, yeah, we joined them at an interesting time when they were, 
you know, they'd just been on the uh, tour with uh, Neil Young or Neil Young's Well Tour, and they were kind of getting a bit of exposure for, um, yeah, that kind of, uh, yeah, distortion heavy sound that the that they were mixing with uh, with Neil at that time as well, and that sort of and collage of sound kind of feel. Um, and yeah, I thought I had to get a mention of Neil and since we were doing Sonic Youth. No, I mean, it makes sense. They're both sort of sowing the seeds for grunge or whatever. I mean, like mm. this album especially, I think, is kind of really sort of um, kind of pre, uh, kind of predicting that sound, I guess. It kind of, it does have this kind of um, quite layered guitar tones and they're all quite sludgy and kind of um, not necessarily like noise in terms of like, there's a few sort of, proper kind of noise sections of just like feedback and stuff in the album, but there's a kind of sense of like chaos and it kind of um, mm. proceeds that kind of grunge aesthetic. But is this your favourite uh, Sonic Youth album? Though? I would have to say yes, but I think actually my Sonic Youth, um, I could listen to, I could listen to more. I would definitely say so. Probably this and Daydream Nation are the only ones that I'd say that I, I know to a good degree. I, I need to listen to the early ones more and probably a couple of the later ones as, as well, I think. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly the one that I go back to and listen to. I mean, I suggested it and I hadn't, it, it wasn't one I've been thinking about for ages, but I just thought, okay, let's do this. And I thought, well, that's a good record. Then I listened to it and I was like, wow, actually, yeah, I forgot about just how good this is. It's, um, there's a, yeah, I think the first sort of, you, through the first four or five tracks, and you're just thinking, yeah, this is um, this is extremely, um, extremely good, um, and yeah, there's kind of this this kind of loud, primitive sense to it. There's also a lot of catchiness and, and a lot of sort of weird danceable ability that we talked about before as well, um, and just so many fantastic tracks. And so, yeah, I, I think I would say it's my favourite. Yeah, yeah, I think Daydream Nation was my sort of introduction. I'd still say that's mine kind of favourite, but anything before Evil and uh, Sister, I, I'm not aware of, and then everything after this album, really, I haven't listened to, so it's kind of, mm. yeah, there's some real blind spots there. Um, but yeah, um, I'm sure there's interesting stuff. But other than that, we can sort of proceed, I suppose, into the album. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, well, what you get um, is the opener, you get Dirty Boots, Um yeah, and there's some wonderful guitar tones going on here. You get you've got, almost got like two these two separate riffs that are kind of like having a race with each other and kind of meandering around one another. Um, and there's kind of the playoff between them. Um, and they and they then kind of sort of mold together as the as the track goes on. And Thurston Moore's got this very very muted vocal, and then there's this kind of stop, this slow build up, and then this sort of thrashing chorus, and it's. Um, yeah, it's not really noise in in the sense of the old. I guess there is a bit of a break from the older Sonic Youth, um, a little bit more kind of rocky, I guess, um, to a sense, but no less, no lesser for it. It's um, you know wonderfully pounding drums um, and some just fantastic guitar work. I, I love Thurston Moore's guitar work and also uh, Ronaldo's as well. There's the, there's that um, interplay between them is is superb. I mean, that first kind of guitar lick is kind of very clean, actually. It's kind of this um, kind of soft, it almost sounds like an emo song or something. And then you get the kind of um, some of these droning sounds and then the kind of punk uh, kind of 
clashing guitars as the solo comes in and stuff. And I think they're sort of playing with these kind of maybe like older kind of rock kind of types like punk and then like sort of early rock and roll and stuff. But then all these sort of more uh, experimental elements, the kind of the notion of the chorus coming kind of like three minutes in and then kind of being um, preceded by this kind of breakdown and this kind of this interruption. I think that's why the band were kind of so accessible at this point is because you have all these kind of very strange sort of aspects of the song, but it's still very kind of, uh, it's got that raw kind of punk energy and um, this kind of comprehensible nature, even though they kind of really merge in the kind of noise and stuff. I mean, Daydream Nation was a kind of album that, that kind of explored that kind of jam kind of quality of their, their sound and kind of longer compositions and stuff and kind of uh, more, improvis- more improvisational in nature in, in terms of the sound. But this one is kind of very raw. And even on the longer songs, there's a sense that everything's kind of stripped back and kind of perfectly um, layered. And, and there's no kind of note that's not kind of used proper, I suppose. It's kind of, it's kind of clean, even though it's kind of, layering lots of kind of dirty sounds I guess. yeah and, and i think a lot of times this song and and a couple of others included there's a real something that's hinted towards but is more i think more prominent on this record than daydream nation but those like you mentioned the cleanness of the opening riff i think you get these kind of swells and crescendos of noise and there's, there's kind of a lot going on with the riffs but then Something will break through or cut through. It's like if you imagine Teenage Riot, the song, and that the the break in that song from the build up, and when that riff kicks in, that's kind of, that, that's amazing. There's a couple of times on this album where you get a similar sense, and I'm I'm almost thinking that it's another song at times because of the not the similarity, but the but the but the sense of yeah. There's this thing that Sonic Youth managed to do where they they. It's something it, it becomes a sort of bit of a mess and then some this this very kind of cleaner riff comes through and it's so infectious and kind of heady and yeah the guitar work on this album's fantastic and the second song here um which is tunic um song for karen i believe um is my favorite song on the record um and i i just think it's fantastic i think one of the big things about this record is like i think kim gordon really starting to take center stage in 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 a lot of things songwriting wise um vocal performance wise and stuff like that um and her delivery is just brilliant she's got this very dreamlike delivery over this very dense feedback um and then one of the best choruses ever it's like you aren't ever going anywhere it's kind of stops the stops the track um and and it's just brilliant and this kind of weird um, references to um, Karen Carpenter and um, the plight of someone with with anorexia put to these quite ethereal, dense guitars. It's quite a dark track, actually, but um, it's just brilliant. Um, that chorus is incredible. Yeah, it's kind of um, almost like a, a speaking beyond the grave kind of a voice, and but it's also kind of conversation. It's talking about like her mother and stuff and like mm. being in the band and, and kind of dreaming of Hollywood and things like that. Um, the chorus is very weird actually that kind of throbbing kind of bass that kind of does just interrupt and kind of stop everything uh which kind of clashes with the kind of very well like the first song that very sharp kind of punk rhythm but um yeah i think this is one of my favorite songs in the album as well it's more kind of down tempo and murky and the guitars have that overdriven quality it's kind of 
you know, kind of like a grunge kind of um, aesthetic again. But um, what the band really kind of, I think one of the benefits of the band is quite a simple point, but it's just the musicianship is kind of sh- so sharp um, throughout. I mean, um, I love Steve Shelley's drumming. It's just so uh, kind of pointed and, and not necessarily very showy, but he can kind of deliver those moments when he needs to. And and all the kind of guitar work, like you said, is kind of excellent. So um, actually, one of the things I do have reservations about Sonic Youth are the vocal performances, actually. I think this is one where I do quite enjoy um, Kim Gordon's vocal, but I actually I think I've come to appreciate her more now in kind of um, with her newer albums and stuff, her solo albums, because mm-hmm. some of the some of the vocal performances on this album, I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of actually. But. Yeah, that's one of the ones that I that I I really love. Um, but yeah, maybe not all of them um, completely, but certainly on that track um, and some of the lyrics as well. There as well, the, the, like you mentioned, the conversational element to it and a line about remembering what her mother said: "You look so underfed," and then going back into this this chorus of "You aren't ever going anywhere yet." It's, um, it's great. They have a um a kind of slacker quality that kind of can appeal or can not appeal to you. It's kind of similar to like uh, bands like Pavement or like Built to Spill mm. or something. It's that kind of vocal style. And I think it kind of sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, uh, Merry Christ is a song I actually really enjoy. Yeah, um, yeah, same here. Maybe not as notable for me as the first two, but um, yeah, I, I kind of like the boyish vocals um, from more, um, all about sort of dating Jesus's mum, and yeah, yeah, another great sort of. I think that I think there's a, just so many solid tracks on on it. To be fair, yeah, it's a kind of snarling vocal actually, and I love that. It's one. Of, it's one of those ones that noisy, but not necessarily like a, an abrasive sense. It's just noisy in terms of like a very direct kind of punk. Uh, sense and it's just kind of it never really lets up and it's very kind of uh kind of almost quite eclectic kind of song it kind of goes all these different places and just has these random fills and just the sort of guitar leads that just sort of spiraling off and it's uh recaptures that chaotic energy um i guess we'll have to talk about cool thing because that's the the big single mm. of the, the album yeah and i actually think it's pretty great um that's twisting riff the riff that kind of yeah kind of almost starts then and then pulls itself back um it's so infectious and yeah again kim gordon that great chorus i don't want to i don't think so um it's the band i think probably at their sort of very potent best i guess um gordon's very charged lyrics to put in this meeting with um ll cool j and satirizing her admiration and then maybe disaffection um for such a figure and we get a wonderful guest appearance yeah um from chuck d um yeah that line of are you going to liberate us girls from male white corporate oppression and in the background you're just going huh <laughs> just <laughs> at, like at the end of that and word up at the end of that it's just so it's so brilliant yeah it's um 
yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great track. Yeah, it's a crossover I really didn't kind of expect. I think that was kind mm. of quite um, amazing. I think the um, not the the who mastered this album because I think they kicked him out, but who mastered the last album was actually someone who worked on on uh, Public Enemy's releases and lots of hip hop songs. So that's interesting the kind of crossover uh, between hip hop and Sonic Youth, which is not. And of course, like Chuck D has like one of the most recognizable voices in that kind of genre, and uh, yeah. His section is kind of funny and uh, hilarious and kind of fun. I keep saying fun, kind of synonyms for fun, but it is good. And also feels like that there's kind of disjunction between them. It's kind of like he's not reacting to the actual words mm, she's saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and you, you get the swirling sort of crescendo at the end as well, which is very good. And the drums again being very good. It's uh, yeah, great track. I, I don't mind where you want to go. There's a lot of tracks that I could talk about here. Um, where do you want to go? Yeah, I mean, I actually, um, well, I'm not necessarily talking about the track in too much detail, but on Mo, I think uh, Lee Ronaldo's vocals are actually really good. I think I like the kind of vocal effects and the, the weird sort of radio feedback kind of intro. And I think uh, it's another one where the kind of lyrics are kind of interesting. They're kind of quite abstract about kind of, a sea of madness turning you into stone and stuff. It's kind of then I don't think any of the lyrics are sort of blowing me away, but they're always quite um kind of um they're kind of strange and and mm. quite mysterious and they're quite fun. And um it's a song that seems to kind of conclude about halfway through and then kind of just goes into a sea of kind of slow noise with this weird kind of crunchy kind of bass um underfill. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, and then, yeah, I, I do think the, the rest of the album is kind of perhaps got a few less notable tracks, but also it's kind of, yeah, we could go anywhere. Really, so I don't mind. I quite like my friend Goo. Um, I do like Moat as well. It's very gorgeous um, melodies and hooks in the in, in amongst a, a noise track, which is something they do very well. But um, yeah, I like my friend Goo. I, like, I love the refrain of I Know a Secret or Two About You. Um, very very catchy, and I often find myself just singing that. Um, um, and the secret that she seems to know is that she likes to wear green underwear, which is I think yeah. is the great the best secret you could know about someone. Um, but yeah, I think the next track's great. I think disappear is great. I think another very heady, wonderful riff, akin to something like Teenage Riot, um, and. I love. I really like Moore's vocals here. Um, I, I kind of like how. They're a little bit sweet and melodic, but and you've got really great sort of pre-chorus. Um, and yeah, I think there's just an element of the quintessential sonic used to it, the, the the wandering guitars and the different direction the track takes. You get kind of hints of the original riff and then they kind of play on it and they speed it up and they the feed and it's also dowsing feedback and then it kind of comes back again. And yeah, I just think it's um it's really great. Yeah, I like um I think out of the other, I like Mildred Pierce a lot, and then I like uh, Titanium X per se. Um, Mildred Pierce is one of those ones where it seems like almost like like uh, the kind of Nirvana track Tourette's, where it's kind of just like one of those mm. songs that just gets everything out and kind of has lots of screaming and stuff. And it's kind of it feels like it's kind of exhausted as a track. There's um, just ominous, ominous chance of Mildred Pierce. Yeah, it, it's quite is fun. Yeah, and then it just screams at you at the end. You're just like, oh. 
Yeah, and then there's probably two tracks that um, are, are, are fine, and, and 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 I don't think there really is. I don't think they're they're, uh, they're sort of weak tracks necessarily, but yeah, but then yeah, Titanium Expose, the, the closer is the is probably the next track we're talking about, and a very a brilliant opening, very punishing sort of build up, um, and then again there is a kind of melodic sense to what's going on. Um, but everything's just dripping in feedback. You can hardly hear Kim Gordon's vocal on the chorus. Um, and yeah, and then a very brilliant sort of fast-paced, pulverizing um, finish. Um, it's great. I like um, how this song, you kind of get a bit more of an interplay between them and you get a kind of verse chorus mm. from Thurston and Kim, because I think, although there is always uh, each other's vocals kind of cropping up on the... The songs that are kind of led by the other it's kind of this one's probably where it's most um evident and and yeah the instrumental is just so good it's very harsh but also you get these more high-pitched kind of almost quite strained guitar leads and, and it has that kind of sense of crescendo and, and of ending and um yeah it's uh definitely one of the faves it's a great album yeah by um, a great band, but yeah, one I definitely need to listen to more of. Um, I need to listen to more to, to Yvonne's sister as well. Um, yeah, sister's yeah. great. Mm. Yeah, iconic, classic, um, and yeah, a, fan, a, a, a yeah, a really good access point. I think it is remarkable how a, an album can feel so against the grain whilst also being so accessible as well. There is a sense of Sonic Youth being a band that are, you know, different, you know, the, the guitar tuning, the, the, the tones, the, the shit, the sort of the, the core progressions or whatever. They, they kind of have a sense of a bit like, I don't know, the fall or something like that, where I always find those bands that can take the song in a direction that it, you weren't expecting it, but feels really great when they do is the, but, and they manage to do that here whilst also just being, kind of yeah there's a there is almost a popular sense to it here yeah it's it's good did you manage to get the fall and neil young into this episode i managed to get the fall and neil young into a podcast don't ever doubt me and i'll do it and i'll do it again in the future (laughs) i've got a quiz okay so do i oh who wants to go first during mind um you traditionally go first. I, I, I think you should go first with your, okay. with your quiz, I think, yeah. Wow. It was either a quiz about goo or what I've actually opted to do. Okay. Um, so inspired by the track Mildred Pierce, yeah. I've done a quiz about noir films. Okay, yeah, okay. I probably oh. should have seen this coming. I could have, I could have done my uh, revision beforehand, but... Yeah, that would ruin the fun. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, and Mildred Pierce is a very good film, Old Griffin. Um, Not seen it, but yes. Number one. Oh, God. And this is about the film Mildred Pierce. Right. Who won the Academy Award for Best Actress for a starring role in Mildred Pitt? Was it Joan Crawford? Yes. 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 Legend. You've yes. nailed it. Boom. Um, is that the quiz over? Yes. No, no, won. no you will win, I'm sure. But you just got to get there. Okay. Sometimes viewed as the end of the classic noir cycle, 
Mm. Orson Welles' 1958 film in which he plays the corrupt, tragic police chief Hank Quinlan oh. called Touch of What? Um, Touch of Evil, I believe it's called. Yes. See, yes. yes. Okay. Come we'll, on. We'll see what happens in the film. I, I love how disgusting he is in that film. He's just such a vile a human being. Big boy. He's a... He is a, he's a big man. <laughs> Yeah, with yeah, just I just all I can picture him is him just sort of almost. I feel like he's like like slobbering all throughout the film, and it's just yeah. Anyway, moving on. And number three, Robert Altman's *The Long Goodbye* provided a modern twist mm. on Raymond Chandler's Philip Marlowe character. But which iconic forty star played him in *The Big Sleep*? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Okay, well, you think think iconic like noir heroes. Iconic forties star. Yeah, he played the Raymond Chandler Philip Marlowe character in Big Sleep, the te- oh, detective know. character. Um, so he's a he's a whiskey slugging, uh, kind of depressed detective. Um. So I want you to wimp, but I don't want to give you any more clues. That's not no, right. I don't know. I'm not going to wimp until until you give me the answer. I don't know, Joe. I don't know. You're not going to have a guess? No. Okay, it's Humphrey Bogart. Oh, for... mm. Yeah, it's really... Yeah. yeah, I wasn't thinking... I was thinking... I don't... Yeah, I should have thought about right, the other you? part of the world. Um. Yeah, he, also, he also plays Sam Spade in uh, The Maltese Falcon, which is kind of like the... The other big uh, detective series, I suppose. I don't really know that much about Humphrey Bogart other than his name and um, Casablanca. You like Casablanca? Casablanca, yeah, to be honest with you. Yeah, my Humphrey Bogart is is severely lacking. Yeah, okay. Um, But yeah, I've got a a quiz all about the album cover. Ah, so I don't know anything about the album cover, I don't think. Well, there you go. Well, maybe you'll get none of these. Mm. Um, and you'll and I'll feel bad. You so. can laugh at me. The album art was produced by Raymond Pettibon, oh, who produced the iconic early album art of which band? He's actually the brother of the lead singer of this band. They don't have the same surname, so I think you get the vibe from the from the from the album art. I don't. I'm not trying to. There's a. Okay, I let can't. me consult the Goo album. Yeah, have a little look. There's a cartoony sense to it, like you mentioned. Yeah, I do know what it looks like, but so I've got to. Yeah. It's it's so it's kind of iconic. He's he designed the early album covers for which band? Yeah, the, and I, when I say the earlier album covers, I mean the iconic album covers of the band when they were when they were good. Uh, uh okay. I'm gonna go for Black Flag. It is indeed Black Flag, of course. Hey, yes, well, they're that. the first album covers a photograph, right? Oh, no, that's true. Yeah, it's Damn. not the photograph one. Yeah. yeah, it's the it's the cool ones. It's um, Slip It In and My, My War. War. And My War's great. such a good cover. Yeah, they're just some of the best album covers and they're some of the best albums as well. But yeah, anyway, um, the two figures in the artwork are dressed as if part of which UK subculture? Oh, they're, they're, they're mods. They are mods, yeah. I like yeah. that you're conf- you're also consulting the album art as well, but I don't mind that. That's fine. Am I not allowed to look at the album? Well, you're, <laughs> no, we're you doing are. a podcast. I'm only Maybe I'm only assume that I've got like a vinyl copy or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, 
yes, okay. So the characters depicted are actually Maureen Hindley and David Smith, key witnesses in Who's Murder Trials. The artwork's actually uh, is based on a on a on a paparazzi shot of the two of them leaving court um, after the trials. Wait, Maureen Hindley and he? David Smith. They they weren't on trial, but they were key witnesses in the in the trial of. Well, there's a Hindley. Is it the um, what's their name? What's her name? Mm. The dude. The, do I have to name them both full name? Just anything, anything that I would, you know. Can I say the Moors murders? Yes, you can. The Moors murderers will count. Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Myra Hindley's sister, and David Smith was the uh, key witness. And yeah, they're kind of leaving court. And then that is that is the picture of them. It's it's yeah, interesting. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, dark. Who'd have thought it? There's a dark um, story behind the Sonic Youth album cover. Mm. Not me. Hard, hard to imagine. There you go. Well, there you go. That was three out of three. We don't often get a three out of three. I think we blitz through an album and two quizzes in thirty minutes, Louis. We are. We're too good at it. We are again. The the better the podcast, the shorter the podcast. That's what I say. That is true. That is what they say. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect for a bus journey or a um, or a, a haircut, like mm. a long, like a you know, you're getting something. I'm trying to think of an activity that lasts exactly thirty minutes. Why can't we? Thirty minutes. Um, no, no, there isn't any. Just no, there's really. not. No. All right, then. There you go. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. See you next time. Yes, see you next time.